Welcome back to another edition of the Savvy Citizen Podcast. On today's episode, we are chatting with Joe Leinberger and Aaron Hines from Natural Resources, as well as Laura Warden from the Cooperative Extension. What are we talking about today? We are talking about the Farmland Protection Plan. The last time this plan was updated was 2009, and because of so much growth in Gaston County, it's time to revise it. Stick around for this conversation and learn how you can get involved. Ho, ho, ho! Christmas is in the air in Gaston County. In addition to Christmastown USA firing things up on December 1st, every town around Gaston County has Christmas parades and holiday markets on tap. Check out the community calendar at gastongov.com to find your favorite. Welcome back to another episode of the Savvy Citizen Podcast. I am Dandrea Bradley, and with me here today, I have Joe Leinberger, who's a conservationist with Natural Resources. Also, Erin Hines, she's our environmental educator with Natural Resources. And we want to welcome back to the podcast, Laura Warden, and she's now got a new title. Uh, She is serving as the Interim Director for the Cooperative Extension. So welcome to the podcast, y'all. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm excited about this conversation because, you know, as a new homesteader, we are going to be talking about protecting farmland. So, Laura, I want to start with you. You're introducing a new farmland protection plan. So talk to us a little bit about um, how that came about. So we actually adopted a farmland protection plan back in 2009. And but uh, as probably everybody here in the room knows, is there's been some huge changes in the county. And so at this point, the current farmland protection plan is is outdated in a number of areas. And therefore, um, the the, uh, QNRC Quality of Natural Resources Commission or council that's appointed by the county commissioners, um, made a presentation back in May of this year suggesting that we revisit, revise, and update the current farmland protection plan, and the commissioners agreed. So as a result, we have created a steering committee of key stakeholders in the county, including farmers, city planners, um, soil and water representatives, uh, cooperative extension representatives. It's a pretty diverse uh, um, steering committee. We've had one steering meeting and and now we're going to have a community meeting walk-in style to to try to get some interest and get some feedback from our community members and other key stakeholders in the county. Okay. And then we'll have another steering committee meeting in in mid-December. And hopefully after that, we'll have some things that we can add an update to the current plan and then present our final recommendations to the commissioners sometime in early 2024. Okay. So what sort of things were outdated in the previous farm protection plan? Well, uh, a lot of statistics have changed since then. That's probably the easiest one. That's the one I came prepared to talk on. Okay. Um, So, you know, the last time, you know, 2009, we've had several ag census data come out since then. Um, And so we looked at the general trend for farms and farm acreage and farm production over the last 30 years in the county. And a couple of things stand out Um, in terms of farm size and total acreage. That's decreased by as much as 40 percent in the last 30 years. Oh, wow. And um in terms of total farming acres, if we look at the um, between 
2012 and 2017, the total number of acreage in production has gone down about 10%, which doesn't sound like a lot. But when you look at the average size of our farms, we don't have large commercial scale farming. We have a lot of backyard, um, small, small acreage, um, part-time, limited resource farms. Mm -hmm. So we're not a large scale. We do have some, but it's not the primary farming community that we have. Right. Um, The interesting thing is the total number of farms over the last 30 years is up by as much as 50%. But again, it's not those large scale commercial farmers. It's small scale um, people that are farming on less than five acres. People like me. Exactly. A lot of homesteaders. And then another thing that stands out is, and we were having this discussion, Joe and Aaron and I this morning, is that um, the average age of our farmers in this county are probably right around 58. Mm -hmm. And so there's a huge issue with farm succession because our farmers are aging out and they may not have somebody that's willing to take over the farm. And those of us that are in a younger age range due to the the increasing price of land, which has gone up dramatically in the last 30 years, we may not be able to afford to buy them out. Right. And so what's probably happening is a a good percentage of those farms are being sold to developers. Wow. You know, when you stop to think about that, that that's that is huge, Um, especially because, you know, growing up in Gaston County, there's always been farms to go to. And I can't imagine there not being, you know, any farms like Limeburgers or somebody like that. And it's it's kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. And I think that because of that trend, we're expecting that farm loss to increase. Um, and even with the amount of farmland that has been lost recently, a lot of people don't realize that 16% of Gaston County's total land area currently is farmland which is a significant amount, even with the loss that we've had. But um, looking at how Charlotte is growing and coming more into Gaston County, we're thinking that a lot of those numbers and a lot of that farmland loss will actually um, increase. And it's funny that you mentioned Limeburgers. This is kind of a side note, but that is my family that has that farm. So we are planning on hanging out there for a while. <laughs> well, I'm sure our listeners who like to frequent Lombard are very happy to hear that. So, yes. I think they're the exception. They probably do have a, a succession plan. Yes, yes. My brother is um, managing that farm with my husband. My parents are there helping out as well. My grandparents were really the ones that expanded it um, to the business that it is today. So we're hoping. And then my nephew, who's five he definitely wants to be a farmer um and sleeps with a pumpkin in his crib so that's precious um hopefully the succession plan is strong (laughs) absolutely absolutely so what about you mentioned there were several statistics well those are a lot of the i mean the just the general statistical trends okay um the other one that stands out for me is the majority of our farms here in in Gaston County are generating a revenue of less than $10,000 per farm. So that doesn't sound like a lot, Mm -hmm. but they make up a majority of our farms. So again, it goes to the fact that we don't have necessarily a large number of commercial, large commercial scale operations, but we have like the 16%, I would say a majority of those fall into that less than $10,000 in revenue a year. 
But the, the other interesting thing I, I, we were discussing this morning is we had done a study in preparation for the original Farmland Protection Plan to see what kind of services were provided to f community farms mm -hmm. and what impact that had overall on, on you know, in terms of um, dollars and services provided by the county. And, and, and I apologize for reading this, but, but I'm going to read it because I think it's important. Oh, no, um, please. Yeah. In, in numerous studies, farmland has been shown to require significantly less in public services like fire, water, sewer, police, school, et cetera, in, in expenditures that it contributes in tax revenue, even at the lower differential assessment rate when we're discussing the present use, what we refer to as PUV system, where they're assessed at real, their property taxes are assessed at, at agricultural rates versus standard real estate rates. So overall, the county has to put in a lot less in services for them. They're not necessarily generating a huge revenue for the county, but they're not also requiring a lot of additional services. So there's a benefit there too. Okay. So I want to bring in... Um you know, natural resources folks into this conversation. And Aaron, you mentioned your family and everything. So now how is natural resources um, getting involved with the farm protection plan? Like what, what are y'all contributing to this particular plan? So Joe, I'll start with you. The natural resource department kind of contributes in numerous ways. Um, the natural resource department is kind of split up where you are a regulatory department and we're also a conservation department. So we're very knowledgeable about the amount of growth that's pouring in to the county. Um, we're also very knowledgeable about the farmers that we have in our community. And what we're trying to do is bring that balance um, together to see, you know, make sure we don't get ahead of ourselves because, you know, we want to see our farmers here, but we also are here for water quality and soil health. Right. So without clean water and without healthy soil, you can't farm you can't live here so that's kind of why we're all in this in, in this together partnering with extension to kind of just you know let's hold up let's check the pulse let's uh let's see where we're at with this and if we need to keep going or if we need to slow down yeah i think smart growth is a buzzword around here um, we want to grow our communities in a way that preserves our quality of life and the great things about the county that attracted people here to the first place. So the way I think about smart growth is that let's continue to farm in places that make sense to farm right. and let's develop areas or redevelop areas that make sense to develop and let's preserve and conserve the areas that make sense to do that. So we're looking at it very big picture and looking at where are our intact ecosystems that have mature oak hickory forests that have rare plants, maybe those areas make sense to protect. Where are our productive soils that are what we call prime farmland soils? Um, those areas, let's try and keep that in farmland. But if you have areas that are, you know, maybe marginal land, as we call it, maybe the soils are really erosive. Um, those may be areas that it, it's a great place to put a housing development and bring some more um, living options into people in the community. So I think we're looking at that balance, like Joe said, and thinking about, you know, that takes planning. That's going to take long range planning. Um, the planning department is looking at um, updating our UDO, our Unified Development Ordinance, and okay. they're looking at updating the long range plan. So the farmland protection plan is the agriculture part of that. And we're hoping to be able to use the farmland protection plan to inform the update process that's happening big picture 
in the county. And we want to involve our partners with that as well. So it's not just what Cooperative Extension can do. It's not just what natural resources can do. It's going to take partners, municipal partners, conservation partners across our county to be able to do that. Yep, that's right. Like, what kind of conversations are you having? So, um, like, what kind of information is coming up in those meetings? So our steering committee really helped us to look at the results of the community survey. I can't remember if Laura mentioned this, but we started the farmland protection process with a community survey where we saw input from um, community members and our partners. And then our steering committee helped us look at that and identify what are the top challenges to agriculture in our county and also come up with innovative solutions and ideas that could be actionable solutions to being able to address those challenges. So what were some of the challenges that that came up? So some of the challenges that were obvious is um, the price. Um, Land's very very expensive. Operating costs is very expensive. Um, Those are really things that we don't have much control of, but we can try to find certain things to offset that. Right. Um, Lack of market. Um, lack of market infrastructure was another one. You know, when most folks think about farmland or open space, you know, we kind of forget about the forestry side of it. You know, you have to have forestry so you can grow trees so that way you can have lumber to build homes and things like that. And um, with the I don't with the recent closure of the Canton Paper Mill, um, it's west of Asheville, it's actually put a big hurt on the logging community here in right. Gaston County. So um, we can't really haul pulpwood, which is what you make paper from. So we're there, it's kind of hindered that. That's just some of the infrastructure, like just using forestry as an example. Um, we have a very strong presence with the farmer's market. So when farmers produce something, they actually have somewhere they can sell that stuff. Sell that stuff. So that's a plus on that. Mm-hmm. Other market infrastructure that could be used by some of our small farmers that doesn't really exist right now is like meat processing facilities. If you have someone who's homesteading who has a small flock of meat chickens or is growing beef cattle, like a small herd, there's not a local meat processing facility to right. be able to, of course, process and consume the meat. So. That market infrastructure is you know, a challenge, the lack of market infrastructure. Um, our, as we mentioned, local ordinances that need updating. We don't actually have a um, agricultural zoning district in the county. And so um, our policies need to be looked at with input from the ag community. Um, and then we've already talked about farm succession a little bit as well but also just lack of support for smaller farms in general. A lot of our programs do require um, or have acreage requirements to participate in them. So that can be a hurdle sometimes as our farms are getting smaller in size. Yeah, Yeah, and I think that's actually probably one of the biggest ones is we don't have anything out there to protect these smaller farmers. Um, You know, folks that are less than five acres, you know, the five acre is is the number of, is the amount of acres you need to have to be considered horticulture to get mm-hmm. a, to get a and tax break, present use value. It's ten for general ag, and then twenty for a forestry plan for the pre- to qualify for present use value. Yeah. So with that, that also, if you're involved enrolled in the present use value, you can also be involved in other programs, call share assistance, things like that, which these smaller farmers, which make up the majority of Gaston County, don't have access to. 
So they're not, so for instance, um, Soil and Water runs the Voluntary Ag Program or Voluntary Agriculture District. And essentially what that is, is a voluntary landowner can sign up for it and it basically proves they're a farm and kind of makes them exempt from certain ordinances like noise, um, odor, uh, slow moving vehicles. Um, again, and what I'm going back to is these smaller folks don't have access to it. Right. I believe. I'm pretty That's sure. That's right. Yeah. yeah. For the voluntary ag district. And I think we also have, I think that the acreage can come into play with our cost share programs as well. So natural resources also has staff that specifically work with the farming community to be able to install conservation practices and cost share with that installation um, for those practices on their land. And I think there's some hurdles to new farmers in being able to sign up for those programs and being eligible for those programs. Right. So we could take a look at that as part of our farmland protection plan. Those could be some action steps of really looking at how our programs are serving what our current community looks like. So, Laurie, jump back in here with the statistics. So how many small farms are we talking that we have in Gaston County? Do you have that information or something similar? Because, you know, I'm hearing this and, you know, as a homesteader myself, so we have nearly eight acres, but at the same time, we're not using that entire eight acres to grow our food or to have our animals or anything like that. So we probably wouldn't qualify for any type of programs or assistance. We do have ag census data on that breaks it down by the size or the range of acreage. Unfortunately, I don't have that with me, but I'm very confident, fairly confident in saying that a majority of our farms are less than 30 acres, and a lot of them are probably even less than 10, 10 to 15. Right. Um, so, it, and, and that kind of falls in line with the fact the majority of our farms are generating, you know, 10,000 or less a year in revenue. Mm-hmm. So... Um, unfortunately, I don't have a specific number for you, but the, the we can probably get back we, to you. We on could that. get back to you on that. There is, there is, we have specific data um, for Gaston County that breaks it out down by the size of the farm in terms of total acreage. Okay, and you don't have to be farming that whole acreage. No, so it's not just the acreage that is actively being used for agriculture. It would be your whole parcel, um, as long as you're using part of it for farming. Um, I think, I don't think you would be eligible for PV, for example, which is the present use value for taxes. So it would give you a lower tax rate. You might be eligible for some of our cost share programs, which are specifically for conservation practices. So, um, Joe, do you know the requirements for our ag cost share program? No, not right off. But the biggest take home with our um, agriculture cost share programs is we really deal with water quantity and water quality. So those are have to be like the two um, two check boxes to be eligible for. Okay. Uh, one of them be like, you know, a, a nutrient thing, you know, um, feeding areas where, you know, livestock, you know, conjugate a good bit and stay together. So there's a potential for nutrient runoff. And then the other one, water quantity would be like flooding type stuff. Gotcha. Okay. Or or making sure that the farmers have access to sufficient water resources to water their that, herd. That's right. Plus or minus. Too much water or not enough water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And yeah. see, I feel like this is the type of information that, you know, whether you're a homesteader or a small farmer, 
you know, you have a small farm or even a larger farm. You know, I feel like this is the information that is like a need to know. And and I think it's important. And this is a good segue to talk about the community meeting that you're going to be having. So talk to us a little bit about the meeting. Yeah. So um, our steering committee has come up with a lot of possible solutions and innovative ideas um, such as the Working Farm Fund. That's a resource that has just come to our area. It buys land from retiring farmers and then it turns around and leases it to new farmers. So we are actively discussing some ideas and some solutions. So what we want with the community meeting is the input of community members and partners on these ideas. So we're going to have a meeting on November 16th. It's going to be drop-in. Um, and we want anyone with an interest in this issue to come and chat with us, to chat with our staff and steering committee members about protecting farmland, promoting agribusiness, if it's municipal partners, getting them on the same page for, hey, we have a solution here. Is it actually um, feasible for us to to do this? So we are going to hold that at the Citizen Resource Center in Dallas from 4 to 6 p.m. And like I said, it will be drop-in. So folks can come in at any time in that window and chat with us about some of these solutions that we've identified. Absolutely. So that's November 16th from 4 to 6 at the Citizens Resource Center in Dallas. Yes. Excellent. So um, is there anything else y'all want to share that I may not have asked about? Well, I guess the biggest thing, you know, this revising the farmland protection plan doesn't come around every day. Right. So and it hasn't been revised in so long and we've experienced such a a boom in development. Um, This is now, you know, your chance as landowners to come by and voice your opinion, good or bad, and not, you know, not necessarily just for farmers, for farm producers, but also anyone that lives in the agriculture community. Um, We don't know unless you tell us, and we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. And I'm going to go as far as say anyone that shops at the farmer's market that likes, you know, buying local foods that are grown right here in Gaston County in our community should come out and give their two cents. That's right. You know, because silence gives consent. That's what my mom always said. (laughs) So if you want to make a difference, you need to let your voice be heard. That's right. Absolutely. And not just the farmer's markets. We also have some grocery stores like Ingles um, that actively try to provide local products um, to shoppers. So just anyone who is a part of the food supply chain, which is all of us, um, has something to say about this. Exactly. Excellent. What about you, Laura? Anything you want to add? I think these two did a fantastic job covering the bases. Excellent. Well, thank you all, Joe, Aaron, Laura, for being with us here today. And we look forward to continuing this conversation. We might have to have you guys back to talk about, you know, the results, the aftermath. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it'd be good. Absolutely. And as always, Savvy Citizen listeners, thank you so much for joining us. And we will see you next week. you know Savvy Citizen now has a live music series? Check out the monthly episodes of Savvy Sounds, where we bring you original music and interviews with musicians from in and around Gaston County. View it on demand on the Gaston County Government YouTube page. Just search for the Savvy Sounds playlist. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Savvy Citizen podcast. It's produced by the Gaston County Communications Office, with hosts Janet Schaefer, Dan Drury Bradley, 
Elizabeth McGee, and Adam Gobb. Joshua Braswell serves as executive producer, and Gavin Stewart serves as field reporter and producer. Please like us and share reviews on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and anywhere you get your podcasts. On tap next week, we're talking turkey. Well, maybe not turkey in particular, but we're talking about Thanksgiving foods with Linda Mingus from the Gaston County Cooperative Extension.